You are Locked On Jets, your daily podcast on the New York Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast on this Friday, July 20th, 2018. I am your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it on either iTunes or Spotify and leave the show a good review in iTunes. Well, as promised, we had so many good mailbag questions this week that we're coming back with a second mailbag show to close things out on this Friday. So let's jump right in. Our first question deals with deep passing. McCown was very good last year getting the ball deep, and that helped Robbie Anderson to have a pretty big season. If Teddy Bridgewater beats out McCown, has he done well in delivering the ball downfield in the past? How about Darnold? Does he project to be an efficient deep ball passer? So I I think the, the first issue I have to address with this question is McCown as a deep passer last year. And the truth is, yes, he, he was an effective deep ball thrower a year ago. He did, uh, according to the pro football focus, did complete 40, he was accurate on 46.7% of his deep passes. And those are passes that travel at least 20 yards in the air. That was good for fourth in the league. He was a he was his passer rating was one hundred four point nine on those throws, but it's one thing to say that he you know he was efficient doing this last year. It's another thing to say we can expect that to continue, and I'm not sure you can necessarily expect that to continue because you're dealing with a small sample size. We're only talking about forty five attempts, which means there could be some statistical noise in that. And if you look back. Just to 2015, 2016, McCown was not that efficient at throwing the deep ball. Uh, his passer rating was around 60 in 2016, passer rating around 70 in 2017. That's much lower than the 104.9 that he put up last year. So can you expect it? I, I don't know. And, you know, is it a case where he helped Robbie Anderson, or was it a case where Robbie Anderson helped lift McCown? I think it's probably a little bit more of the latter. Robbie Anderson really, was really, really good at running the deep route last year. So... I think it's a case where probably Robbie Anderson helped McCown more than McCown helped Robbie Anderson. And again, small sample size. Um, now to go to your question, Bridgewater, no, he is not known as a good deep ball thrower. Um, you know, if you go back, he was one of, in fact, he was probably one of the least efficient deep ball throwers in the league back in 2015, which was the last year he was he was a starter in Minnesota. Now there there's a caveat we have to throw in there is that he was dealing with a truly, truly ghastly offensive line. He was pressured on close to half of his dropbacks, which is, you know, unheard of. It's almost unheard of. I think it was the, the number was like something like 46% of his dropbacks. He was under pressure. So to complete the deep ball, to complete throws down the field, you got to get some protection because those tend to take some time to develop. You know, the receiver's not going to get 20, 30 yards down the field like that. They, the protection needs to hold. So that probably factored into it a little bit. Um, I, I would presume it did. So that's a, that's a big caveat. You also have to remember Bridgewater was only in his second year in the league, and you are allowed to get better after year two. So, you know, there, there's a chance he could develop a little bit more. So those are two very – so, no, he does not have much of a, a reputation as a deep ball passer in the NFL at this point. He's mainly a, a guy who throws the ball short, you know, gets the ball out quickly. He's a, he's a guy like that, but there are some mitigating factors to that between, you know, he's still, still relatively young and, you know, still relatively inexperienced, has, a, has some time to grow. And also just the Minnesota team he played on could not protect him. 
and they could not hold long. I mean, heck, they could not do what they needed to do. They could not protect him long enough for long routes to develop down the field. So that probably had a lot to do with the uh, the the fact that he was not successful throwing the ball down the field. So still, you know, a lot of questions there. And uh, Darnold, I, I mean, I think the Jets view Darnold as a legitimate franchise quarterback. Uh, and I think with that in mind, I, I don't think they expect to have they expect him to have any problems throwing the ball down the field. Now, you never know how a guy's going to turn out in the pro. Some some guys are totally different from the players they were in college, but Darnold always struck me as a guy who could make big plays in college. So I think that's why the Jets took him. I think the Jets think he can develop into a very good deep ball thrower. Now, the, you know, the NFL is really in many ways a league where the short passing game is, is involved. Team, teams like to draw up, scheme, uh, scheme guys open on short passing plays, lots of rhythm passing, you know, get the ball out quickly, high percentage plays. So I think, you know, that that might be the more of the focus, but I, I don't think that they'll have any issues with Darnold throwing the ball down the field. Next question, who picks the starting quarterback, Bates or Bowles? Meaning, will Bowles look for wins this year, McCown, or will Bates look for someone he can grow and develop with Darnold? We may never know the internal dynamics, but if I'm Bates, I want nothing to do with a one-and-done guy, guy like McCown. Bates likely thinking Darnold is my ticket to being a head coach in the next three to four years. You know, I don't know about that. I don't know that that's necessarily the dynamic that's going to be at play. You know, there's a lot of this talk about how Bowles never wants to play young players, but I don't know that that's necessarily true. Bowles has never had problems throwing rookies out there, and if you go back to last year, they gave Hackenberg every chance to win that job. They gave him most of the first-team reps in in uh, preseason. They gave him, I mean, heck, they, 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 they did everything they could to give Hackenberg an opportunity to win the job, so I'm not sure I necessarily agree with the idea that uh, Bowles is going to hesitate to play Darnold. Bowles played McCown last year because he didn't have a choice. So I I don't don't think, again, there's this perception out there that Bowles doesn't want to play the young guy. I'm not sure it's necessarily based based in the way he's acted, though. And I'm not sure, you know, if you, you want to say Bowles is trying to preserve his job, well, why wouldn't Bates... I mean, if Bowles gets fired, Bates is probably out of here too. So, you know, if Bowles wants to play McCown to save his job, why wouldn't Bates? But anyway, to get the bigger question, I think it's the head coach. The head coach always has the say. Now, I think there's there's a special dynamic when you have a quarterback picked at the top of the draft. I think that's the one case where you bring in... I think everybody in the organization needs to kind of be on the same page when you when you draft a quarterback that high, third overall. I think this is a case where the general manager may have a say. Even the owner may be just consulted to get his sign off because the Jets have so much invested in Sam Darnold that I think everybody needs to be on the same page there. Everybody needs to feel comfortable with him stepping into the lineup. But ultimately, it's the head coach who makes the decision. And I think you know it gets you get it gets messed up if it's not the head coach who's making the call. That's the reason you hire the head coach to make the big decisions like that. Now, will Bates have a say? Sure. And I'm sure Bates will tell Bowles whether he thinks Darnold's ready, whether he thinks Darnold's the best guy. But I'm not sure it's necessarily that Bowles is necessary. I'm not sure it's necessarily the case that Bowles is inclined, going to be inclined to, to want McCown, and Bates is going to be inclined to want Darnold. I think they're going to want what's best for the team. I think they're going to want want to put the best guy in there. So I, you know, I, 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 I'm not sure I necessarily agree with the premise of the question. But I think ultimately Bowles, Bowles is the guy who will make the call. And when it comes to Darnold, I think he will seek input. I think he'll receive input from everybody who's a major player within the organization. This episode is sponsored by Core Essentials. That's K-O-R-E, Core Essentials. 
They make the best belts you'll ever own. What makes the core track belt so awesome? No belt holes. That's right. Instead, their belts use a hidden track in the back of the belt with over 40 size points to choose from. Ever wonder why your pants slip and turn that waistline into a gut? Every day as you you walk, work, eat, and play, your waist size fluctuates in and out just a little at a time. The core track belt adjusts to match your waist exactly. Each point on the core track belt is just a quarter inch apart. That simple small innovation means you get a precise, steady, and comfortable fit each time you put it on. Removing or adjusting your track belt is simple. Pinch the small tab under the buckle. Core's patented design also makes it easier to remove the buckle or swap styles. Core track belts ship one size to fit every waist from 24 to 44 inches with an XL belt that goes up to 54 inches. You adjust the size yourself using their easy guide. Core offers a full line of fashion belts, including classic double stitch with full grain leather and smooth belts with no stitching. They also offer a stylish assortment of buckle faces made using solid stainless steel or high-grade zinc alloys. Core's men's belts carry a 30-day money-back guarantee and a full one-year warranty against all defects, unusual wear, or breakage. So feel confident when you shop and know that you're covered. But you're going to love it and you're going to want to get rid of all your other belts. Visit coreessentials.com to learn more and to get your own core track belt to see firsthand why it's the best belt you ever own. And we've got a special offer for, offer for our listeners. Save 10% off your order when you use our code LOCKEDON at checkout. That's core with a K, coreessentials.com, and use promo code LOCKEDON to save 10% off your order. Next question, what grade would you give Casey Rogers in his first three years as a defensive coordinator? Uh, I would probably go C minus to D. I think the first year they did a good job, but and I, I, part of this grade goes to Todd Bowles because Rodgers is in many ways just a guy who's there to implement what Bowles wants to do. When Bowles was hired, he decided he wanted to be hands-on with the defensive teams. He, wants to, he wanted to implement the Bowles defense. Some guys get hired and they you know, just want to get away from it. They, they want to delegate. They'll, they'll bring in a guy with his own philosophies. This defense in many ways has Todd Bowles type principles and Bowles was supposed to be one of the great schemers he was supposed to be one of the great great game he was supposed to be really one of the great defensive minds in the league and you really have not seen that so you know I I think I I bump him up a little bit because the first year was good and I will say there's a caveat that the last two years they really have not had the players that they need at the same time you just see things that make you scratch your heads at points whether it's the way they couldn't figure out how to make it work with all the you know talented 300 pound defensive linemen in there whether it's you know the lack of creativity in certain aspects the inability to work around their deficiencies I mean I don't see how this coaching staff has made this defense better in the last two years that's part of the job you know even if you don't have talent there's a question is the coaching staff making it better than it would be otherwise I don't think that's the case here, and that's really their job. So I'd probably go from maybe C, the C minus D range. I think the first year, 2015, they did a pretty good job, so that keeps them out of the F range. But you know, I think Raj and I think Bulls has to take some of the heat for this. I think Bulls have to take a lot of the heat for this because this is the Bulls defense. Bulls has it seems like he's kind of stayed hands-on, so he's brought in Rodgers, a guy he trusts to implement his defense. But I think it's one of the criticisms of Bulls, and I do think it's fair, is that. He keeps running these defense. He keeps running these offensive coordinators out of town. Meanwhile, his friend has not done a great job as defensive coordinator. There hasn't been, you know, there hasn't been a change though. So I think that that's a fair that's a criticism you hear a lot of bowls, and I think it's a fair one. I think it's one that's that's worth asking about because 
they haven't been doing a, you know they haven't done a good job and if Bowles is telling you that it's not Rodgers' fault well then that means it's Bowles' fault so that's something that's got to get better you know you haven't seen the creativity you haven't seen them work around their their the weaknesses I just don't think that this co- I, they may not be talented but I don't think that this coaching staff is making the situation you're either making the situation better or you're not and I don't think that this coaching staff has done a good job of that and maybe that'll change this year but Next question, and this is a this is a very interesting hypothetical. Best of Revis, best of Jerry Rice. One game, who wins? And the question, uh, the person who asked the question followed up. I think Revis wins. Rice, Rice plays in a precision timing, pure West Coast offense, basically tailor made for Revis to disrupt. I'll tell you, I, I mean, Revis is great. I, I think that Jerry, I, I could never pick against Jerry Rice, though. I mean, Jerry Rice is a guy who was almost impossible to, to shut down. I think, you know, I, I think, I think Rice was, I, I just can't, I have a tough time picking against Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice is so, he was so explosive off the snap. He, you know, was such an incredible route. It would have been a heck of a matchup to watch though. I, I struggled to pick against Jerry Rice. That would, man, I, I would, I would love to see those two go at it in their primes though. That would be, that'd be tremendous. That's a great question. Next question. What would be the most encouraging sign Sam Darnold could show on film to make you think he's the one? This could be showing the ability to make quick decisions, quick release, touch, anticipation, manipulate the defense, deep ball, pre-snap reads and adjustments, or something else. I think for me, it's uh, showing you can operate under center. It's not something he did a lot in college. And it, Look, the NFL is becoming a shotgun league. It's not as important as it used to be, but that's something I'd look to. Can you can you operate under center? Can you look comfortable dropping back under center? You know, people are going to say ball protection. I don't know that I believe that. You know, the fumbling is not really a big concern for me. First of all, it's, that stuff can be fixed fairly easily with a couple of mechanical tweaks. And second of all, when it comes to fumbling, I mean, who was the last quarterback you saw that's where you said, wow, that guy really lifts his team on his back? He manipulates defenses, he makes good reads, he throws that accurate ball, but he's not a good quarterback because he fumbled. Nobody's like that. I mean, there are good quarterbacks who fumble too much and you just live with it. I'm not saying fumbling's unimportant. I'm not saying that, you know, there may not, I'm not saying there's going to be a game at some point where Darnold may not fumble the ball in a key spot and then everybody will say, well, look, the fumbling's an issue, but a quarterback, fumbling has never been the thing that, the, I've never seen a quarterback where fumbling has been the difference between a guy being a good quarterback and a bad quarterback. And, you know, I know he threw a lot of interception in college, but I don't think there's a big, you know, you'd have to show me the statistical link between throwing a lot of interceptions in college and throwing a lot in the NFL. There doesn't seem to be much of a link. I've never come across any sort of evidence that suggests that there is a link between the number of interceptions you throw in college and the number of interceptions you throw in the NFL, because there and every every piece of evidence I've seen says that there isn't. I mean, there are some guys who protect the ball very well in college who don't in the NFL. And there are some guys who you know don't protect the ball great in college who you know don't kill their teams in the NFL with turnovers. So, I think for me, it's just showing the ability to play under center. That that's the thing I, I'd want to see out of Darnold because it's something we haven't seen. We've seen the others. We've Yes, I mean, it's a, yes, throw with touch, absolutely. Make quick decisions, yes. Manipulate the defense, yes. But those are things I believe he can do. I think that the thing that, those are things I saw him do in, co- in college. The thing I want to see him do is operate under center. Our final question, which rookie quarterback will statistically have the best QBR at the end of the year? Mayfield, Darnold, Allen, Rosen, Jackson, or other? How about I be a homer and pick Darnold? But I, I will say this is, 
in this draft class, there were two guys who I th- who I felt fairly confident could be day one starters. They were uh, Darnold and Rosen. Those are the two guys who I think are the most developed of this draft class. I think other guys all have question marks to some degree. I think Mayfield, he's going to have to. There's, I think the NFL is going to be an adjustment to Mayfield where he doesn't. He's not going to have a great team around him. He had at Oklahoma. I think a lot of the heavy lifting was done for him at Oklahoma. I think for Allen, there's obviously things he needs to work on. There are obviously aspects of his game that uh, have issues. And I think Jackson there, Jackson also, there, there are aspects of his game that need some work. I think Jackson's in a good spot because he's not going to have to start year one, but I'm not sure he's a guy who's necessarily ready to play off the bat. I think some of his mechanical stuff, particularly his footwork, needs to be cleaned up a little bit uh, before he, he'll be ready to produce in the NFL. So I think I'll go with Darnold. I think it you know, could be Darnold. It wouldn't be shocked if it was Rosen, but I think Darnold, you know, his playmaking ability... For me, that that gives him the edge. So I'll say Sam, and I'll, obviously he plays for the Jets, so that's a big plus. So I'll say Sam Darnold. Uh, that'll be my my pick, and we can come back to it at the end of the year and see if I was right. Thank you for listening today. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, and leave the show a good review on iTunes if you do enjoy it. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll talk again next week.